Hi, my name is Danny, and I am a horticulturalist. Welcome to my little podcast, Leaves, Stems and Roots. Season 1, Episode 12, Alternative Practices, Part 3, Permaculture. Quote, an integrated evolving system of perennial or self-perpetrating plant and animal species useful to mankind. Bill Mollison and David Holmgren. Just a bit of admin before I start. Thanks for all your kind words of encouragement and rating the show. It really does help. If you haven't yet, please rate the show. It helps grow my audience. To set, oh, sorry, to help with the setup and continuing of the show, you now can subscribe. Link in the show notes. Please check out the pics I speak of through my website, steamsleavesandroots.com and on Instagram, stems underscore leaves underscore and underscore roots underscore with underscore Danny. I hope to add some more fun things to TikTok too. I am trying to make it as easy as possible for you to listen to it and interact with me with questions, comments, and yes, even criticism. Hello, my dear leaflets. I did a lot of research for this episode. I actually do a lot of research for most episodes. It's not all from my head. (laughs) Um, It's amazing how many rabbit holes I ended up in, including one which described permaculture as a cult. It's all good. We'll get there. Most of my research came from some downloadables from Bill Mollison and David Holm, who were the instigators and fathers of permaculture. We're going to look at everything about this, um, not just from their point of view, but from uh, other people's point of views and some cons about the system too, which is what this is, a system. So permaculture originated in Australia in the 1970s. And I guess because it was seen as some hippy-dippy movement, This why it was considered by some at the time as a cult. The concept was simple. Permaculture is a series of systems overflowing to the other to make the whole garden work for you. In other words, those who play Minecraft, and I know I'm not the only one, my son does it too, um, when you do an automated garden system with lots of mechanisms in place, to give you lots and lots of eggs or beef or whatever, you end up with a high quality and high quantity and you end up with lots of experience, which allows you to go on and on in Minecraft. Anyway, this is not a Minecraft pod, so back to reality. It was coined by Bill Mollison and David Holmgren in 1978 only three years after yours truly was born. So it's nearing its 50th year in existence. I actually thought it was a lot older. I guess because I don't want to think I am nearing this mark myself. I have always known about permaculture and even did a short course in it about 20 years ago, but I never realised it started here in Melbourne. Bill Mollison was a regular on a public radio station in Melbourne And in 1975, he was talking about the concept of permaculture. And this lit up the switchboard of this particular radio station because everyone wanted to know more and more about it. Around this time, David Holmgren was at uni 
about to publish his thesis on permaculture. It kind of exploded from there. They added more to the thesis and published it as a first book. And since then, there have been movements across the country and world pushing the concepts of permaculture. So what is it? Why did, does everyone get excited about it? Permaculture was the beginning of everything sustainability. It uses the land and climate to flow into each other rather than have a production line which doesn't really come back to the land. Agriculture can be seen as a one-way road to money, really. But without agriculture, we would all die. Yes, this isn't a diss at agriculture at all. But if we think of the 1980s and before that, there was a lot of traditional farming practices which scarred the land. The land care programs helped a great deal with this, trying to educate the older farmers about new ways to ensure the best product in keeping the land in tip-top shape. And I don't want to start an argument about this because farming is a slog. And really, if we come to think about it, those who keep us fed should be paid the most. But apparently life doesn't work that way. What does work, though, if you have a healthy product, whether it be broadacre, orchards or stock animals, you will get a better yield. No-brainer, isn't it? Well, yes, easy for us suburbanites to say, well, we don't have to ration our water supplies between our family, um, what we're growing, and just to shower. Permaculture adopts more natural concepts than its agricultural counterparts and therefore was deemed unscientific and poorly defined. It would not have been a big sell for the majority of landowners back in the day. The best definition I found of this was from Stony Creek Farm and there is a link to their website in the show notes. Permaculture is a type of agricultural process aimed at creating ecosystems that mimic those you'll find out in nature. Why is permaculture named permaculture? It's a portmanteau, which derives from permanent as in sustainable and agriculture as in agriculture. It came from the understanding that man-made structures were scarring our lands and if we continued the way we were going with chemical-based herbicides and pesticides and implementing man-made mass-producing stations, the world would die. In the beginning, the scarification of our forests, the over-tilling of the soil and the countless chemicals used were polluting our soils and atmosphere. There must be a better way! And remember... As I started this season with Kitchen and Gardens, we started talking about organic planting. Permaculture pushes this concept into every aspect of the garden. It wants to close the energy gap. I saw a video with Bill Mollison who said that moving water to a chicken house is pollution. If water was there, this is decreasing the energy and therefore the pollution. David Holgram said... Quote, a sustainable system is when the energy used in establishing a garden is less when making it. So therefore, when you grow some food and then you put it on a truck and you give it to the big supermarkets and those that don't get used get thrown in the bin. 
that is huge energy loss. So you may actually have some aspects of permaculture in your own garden. What do you think these are? If we grow our own vegetables rather than going to the supermarket, this decreases the energy that we were talking about before and the products coming from your garden into our kitchen and back into the compost. This is a type of permaculture. Vermiculture. This is farming of worms. Worms are the best at permaculture. They eat their food, poo it out, and it goes back into their already rich environment. Now, I love worms, and I have to say that um, a part of the 70 Alexander Kitchen and Garden Program, we have an activity which is called Worm Olympics. Now, I'm going to let you ponder on that and think, hmm, I wonder what that means. And maybe you could tell me through Instagram or something of what you think Worm Olympics are. Okay, another example would be water uh, collection. Instead of using the mains, having a recycled system attached to your downpipe or washing machines can utilise the root source and allow it to be processed and flow into the areas it is needed. Of course, you're going to have to look at what's in your detergents there are some really good eco-friendly detergents out there now. So I, I get mine from, it's called Skipper now, used to be called Turtle. Anyway, um, another one is seed collection. This is a necessary component of any good garden, using annuals or perennial plants. Instead of buying seeds every time you want to grow something, collect the seeds from the plants and store them properly to continue with Using these actually build natural structures, which means everything you make is made from sustainable um, building parts. So even if you didn't know to where you that you were doing permaculture, if you do any of these things, you already have been accepting permaculture in your life. Permaculture can be brilliant in local communities bringing people together. Even when you're actually doing um, plant swaps, and I know there's some plant swaps in different parts of Melbourne, probably interstate as well. I know there's one just around the corner from me. And um, you go down there and you swap your plants that you have in abundance and seeds with other people who have an abundance of their seeds and um, plants. And this is a way of keeping them out of our um, bins and we can actually carry on sustainable rather than throwing out things that could be reused. Okay, so permaculture is the design of the garden in tune with nature. It salutes earth care, people care and plants. It's permanent agriculture which is a concept which evolves and flourishes. It enables those who use it to have good food and a healthy lifestyle. So yes, we feel like we're going down a cultish road here. I honestly believe when the forefathers of this great concept first talked about it and people were excited about it, the rest of the world saw it as a hippy-dippy cult thing. The main understanding of this was that none of these people wanted to educate themselves in to um, change into sustainability. And why? Because it was new and poo-pooed the traditional ways of farming, which had been working for hundreds of years. But if you think about it, these farming practices came from England or Europe and our climate is completely different to over here. We've got 
hardly any water and Europe is full of water, we've got a lot harsher summers. So really, when it comes down to it, we need to figure out a better farming practices for our climate. When I googled is permaculture seen as a cult, there was a great website for permaculture for skeptics. In short, it says no. Bill Mollison and David Holmgren definitely did not start this design with the idea that they will be seen as prophets and dance around the sun naked. However, anything that is so utterly life-changing people can become very obsessed with it. So to the rest of the world, these people who were acting to making their corner of the world better for themselves, their families and community may be looked at twice. But it's like everything. I don't understand the concept of Star Wars fans. There goes a tumbleweed. Okay, to the ten of you who listen regularly, did I just lose you? I'm a bit of a Buffy fan, so we'll just leave that one alone. The principles were brought together for not just the design of sustainability, but the forefathers believed these could be used in everyday life. Okay, this is me still being a little bit of a sceptic of whether this is a cult. Side note here, definition time! Definition of a cult, a system of religious veneration and devotion directed towards a particular figure or object. I'm not trying to be funny or cause negativity about permaculture. I am trying to show both sides of this concept. There are 12 principles. I'm just going to briefly explain them. However, if you want to read more about them, there are two PDFs from both David Holmgren and Bill Mollison in the show notes. Number one, observe and interact. Number two, catch and store energy, collecting resources and storing them as we need them. Number three, obtain a yield, make sure you are reaping what you sow. Number four, apply self-regulation and accept feedback. Make sure systems continue to function well. Number five, use and value renewable resources and services. Stop our reliance on man-made concepts and embrace a life of sustainability. Number six, produce no waste. Nothing is thrown out. We can recycle, reuse everything. Number seven, design from patterns to details. Continue to tweak the system by stepping back to observe the system. Number eight, integrate rather than segregate. Everything needs to be in the right place. Number nine, use small and slow solutions. This will decrease problems and maintain local sustainability. Number 10, use and value diversity. Embrace the nature in all her wonder. Number 11, use edges and value the marginal. And number 12, creativity, use and respond to change. We continue to grow through the changes of the land. As I said before, if you want more information, there will be a link in the show notes. But what about the cons of this system? Yes, there are some. As a concept, it really is only good for a small-scale farming. However, it could be used in larger enterprises using forest farms. As we said in the beginning, there is not enough education for this particular system, and it will cost a lot to change their practices to this without the knowledge of whether it would work or not. The funding for this information to be dispersed into the wider community is just not there. So I just wanted to also say about um, farms. With the introduction of land care about 30, 20 or 30 years ago, um, 
there have been some changes to farm practices. And as I said before, I am not arguing about um, agriculture because I find farmers amazing. And as I said earlier, I don't understand why we treat them the way we do and how some of the larger supermarkets will buy their resources for like a fraction of what they're really worth and then they skyrocket the prices and it is hard for farmers I don't really know exactly I can't tell you how hard it would be but I I've known of some people in the past that have been farmers and it is a hard slog so we should be actually embracing these people rather than trying to tell them what to do. So with permaculture and whether it would work or not on a bigger scale, we need to actually start talking to them and not at them. So back in the day, I worked with a land care group um, in the northeast regional Victoria and um, we were helping some of the farmers up there just to introduce a few sustainable things so for one in particular was this older gentleman who had been in the broad acre um, slash cattle industry for you know hundreds of years his his family and we did a like a design for him to show him that he could add some trees onto his farm because he had at that point um, and it wasn't because he didn't think about it he, and it, or, or anything like that. It was just that was the way of the farms back then. There was hardly any trees, um, and if there was one, it, you know, it just they wanted to put as much um, cattle or sheep or whatever, and, you know, growing trees was – didn't seem like a very good thing to do. So um, we suggested to put in a shelter belt in one part of his farm that he hardly used, which means that animals can go into this area and be um, and cool down in the summer months and it will end up um, making a rich environment for other things so um when i was there he was in the middle of doing this and it wasn't going to be that large and it didn't have to be that large but you know in the end it was going to be a really good um advantage and positive move for him to grow into sustainability so even though i'm going on about permaculture at the moment doesn't mean that I think that everyone should um, envelop this particular system because it's not going to work everywhere. Um, and I could get on my um, I could get on my soapbox and start talking about what's better and what's not, but I don't know really. When it comes down to it, I have my ideas and my opinions, but it's. I'm not living the farm life, so I have no idea. And if anyone from a farm is actually out there listening to this and just going, oh, my God, she has no idea, I agree. And um, I'm just saying that I just wish 
that we were giving the farmers a bit more, them a bit more of everything, really. The other thing is that what we can do in order to help the farmers is actually buy directly from them. I actually go through Farmers Peak, um, and this is when, and it's a little bit ex- more expensive, I guess. However, they taste 100% better. You know it's coming from straight from the farmer, and um, you know it's pretty much organic, which is great. And there's a lot of these coming out, and it's so you don't have to go through the supermarkets to buy horrible food. So this is a very brief introduction into permaculture. It's a huge topic and I have only skimmed the surface. If you are interested about this, please visit the sites I've put in the show notes and read the pamphlets from Bill Molson. Of course, I waffled a lot about a lot of things and this is one um, of those things that I get a little bit on my soapbox about, but that's okay. So, uh, personally, I like the idea of permaculture. As I said earlier, I did a short course in it about 20 years ago. I like the idea that every aspect of the system works together with nature and the environment you are in. I can see that it could be taxing to begin with, but with every new thing, it will give you wonderful returns. Having said this, I also know it may not work everywhere, as long as we can introduce some sustainable practices into agriculture, and I know this is more prevalent now than ever, when we may have the chance of making this world a little bit easier to breathe in. Well, maybe not the world, but this little pocket we live in. So what have I got growing in my garden? Well, I'm going to talk about worms. I had a look at my compost bin, the Savo. I have two, as everyone should, and as I spoke about compost more in episode six, um, one which is a working compost and the other which is doing its thing and composting. 
It's rich with organic matter and has an abundance of worms. I am so excited. I'm getting ready to add this beautiful mix to my veggie patch. I planted chilies and tomatoes the other day and they are wonderful. My coriander and silver beet and spinach have all gone to seeds, which I will be collecting. Next episode is on seed collecting and we will talk about how I will be collecting my coriander and silver beet seeds and how we prepare them to dry and how to store them properly. Anyway, until next time, my dear leaflets, toodle ooh. All media pertaining to this episode will be in the show notes. Please follow through Instagram and we now have a Facebook group. Please remember to rate and review and remember to pull up your plants so we can get dirty. Blop, blop.